Are you um, what they call a glass half empty or glass half full kind of person? You know, there are a whole lot of things like that. There are two kinds of people in the world. Maybe that's one of them. Are you a glass half empty, glass half full kind of person? So don't answer out loud. And if you're not sure, ask your spouse or your child or your parent or your good friend. I heard about a farmer, and he had an, a neighboring farmer that was a very good friend. But our farmer, first of all, was a real optimist. He, he always saw the the bright side of things, and and it, it kind of got him down when he was with his neighbor farmer because that guy found everything wrong with everything. He always had something to complain about. And our friend would start out the morning, would be feeling positive, and he would come across his neighbor farmer, and it would just be a downer. So our farmer would say, you know, it, it's, been a, it's been a good crop season. We're, we're, we're going to get lots of, of good crops. And his neighbor farmer would say, oh, it's, it's raining so much, it'll probably wash it all away. And our farmer would go, oh, goodness, why can they only see the bad side of things? He was a half-empty, glass-half-empty kind of guy. So one day our friend decided he would do something that would for all time convince his friend that there are good things to notice, that glasses can be half full. So he did a remarkable thing, and that is that he trained his dog to walk on water. I don't, I don't know how you do that, but, but he trained his dog to walk on water. And he thought, if my neighbor farmer sees my dog walking on water, surely he'll have something good to say. Surely it won't be, oh, the rain's going to wash the crops away or the sun's going to dry up all the crops before they... So he called his friend over and he said, I, I want to show you something. And they went to an old pond on our friend's property and our friend grabbed a stick and he threw the stick as far as he could onto the pond. And immediately upon sending the stick across the pond, his dog ran across the top of the water to retrieve the stick and then walked back on the water. And my friend thought that that was going to be the fait accompli because how could his friend not have something good to say about this? So when his dog got all the way back to the shore, the two guys were standing there and, and the... Uh, the farmer whose glass was mostly empty, we'll have to say, looked at his, his friend and thought about the dog that had just run across the water to get a stick, and he said, your dog can't swim, can he? Yeah, pathetic story. Probably not true, but it helps us sort of dwell on the question, well, what kind of people are we? Do we see the good side of things or the bad side of things first? Um, you know, may, maybe we adjust later on, but it's our first inclination to be people of thanks rather than people not of thanks. So this morning I was sitting on my porch and the sun had come, come up and I was, I was thinking, oh, the summer's gone because it used to be six o'clock in the morning, the sun was up and it was, you began to feel its warmth radiating. I thought, oh, it must be getting to be fall and winter. Next thing you know, it'll be dark completely dark when we're getting up and going to work and school and all the rest. And then the sun came up, and I thought, wow, here I am, 
thinking poorly of the sun instead of saying, isn't it nice that I had a little more darkness to sleep in or whatever else I could have said that would be more thankful. And when the sun came up, I thought, I have missed these sunrises. I've missed the sun coming up behind the trees across the yard from us. And today I thought, I should be thankful for the fact that the sun has come up today. And it has come up with glory. It has come up with great um, sort of radiance. And you began to feel, even in the colder days of the fall, you began to feel just a little bit of the warmth of the sun. And I knew what I was going to talk about. So I thought to myself, well, what are you? Are you a glass half empty? or a glass half full kind of guy. And I thought, how can I be determined to be a a glass half full kind of person in all of my life? And does that have anything to do do with my Christianity, with my faith? So I want to bring you this morning to a wonderful psalm that is a psalm about Thanksgiving. It's Psalm 92. It very simply says this, a psalm. And then the inscription, really pretty interesting, it says, a song to be sung on the Sabbath day. I hadn't noticed that before, but here's a psalm, and the psalm is described as a song that is to be sung on the Sabbath day. So in ancient Israel, that would have been the the last day of the week. We've shifted to have Sunday instead of Sabbath, and we, we remember why that happened. Um, we changed to worship on the first day of the week rather than the last day of the week because it was on the first day of the week that Christ rose. And so the early disciples decided that they would celebrate their Sabbath, if you like, on the first day of the week, celebrating the fact that Christ had risen. So we can apply this psalm to our Sunday or to whatever it is that you do by way of a rhythm that makes you stop and think about important things in your life, in your week, in your circumstances, and so on. The psalm goes on. It simply says this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. I love the simplicity of this encouragement. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. These days, we want to know what's good for us. So maybe we should think about day by day, what are the things that are good for us? Is it, is it good to drink coffee these days? Depends on when you're asking and who you ask. I declare it is good to drink coffee. In fact, I believe the science is showing us that two cups of coffee a day is just perfect. So it's good to drink coffee. It's good for me. It's good for you. Or tea, if it does the trick for you. It's good we get up in the morning to stretch, to take these old muscles that have kind of atrophied just a bit more while we've been lying in bed to get up and stretch them out. It's good to drink water. Annabeth is always telling me to drink more water. Why? Because it's good for me to drink water. I I think it's as simple as that that in the Psalms, uh, this psalmist, not David in this case, but one of the group of psalmists who have been writing and singing and leading in the worship of Israel, this person says, it's good 
for you. We'll, we'll put in that parenthesis. It's good for you to give thanks to the Lord. So I want to tell you something on the authority of Scripture that can literally change your life. And I thought to myself, do I want to say that? Because I take umbrance with people who say literally about things that aren't literal. You, you may do as well. You want to say, it's not literal, it's figurative, or it's spiritual, or it's symbolic. And I thought, well, is, is that what this is? No, it is literally true. Literally, my life could be changed because there's something that's good for me called giving thanks. And again, we meditate on the existence of God and what he expects of us, and we hear him saying, there are only two things that I'm going to put out right on, on, on right, right in front. Um, you need to glorify me as God and give thanks. That's the sum total of what God says he has expected of his covenant people. It is good to glorify God and it is good to give thanks. <coughs> Excuse me. So this psalm tells us what we need to know about thankfulness. The scriptures are replete with uh, instruction about giving thanks. If you go through the book of Psalms, it is one of the most prevalent terms that is used in the book of Psalms. If you go through the epistles of the New Testament, you will find page after page of apostles and writers giving thanks. Giving thanks for people, giving thanks for God, giving thanks for what God has done, giving thanks for what people have done. They just seem to be full of giving thanks. So as simple as the question is, is my glass half full or half empty? And if it is half full, maybe it's going to be easier for me to be a thankful person. If it's a glass that is half empty, it may be too easy for me to be unthankful to think of all the ways that I can complain, to think about all of the things that aren't how they should be, rather than the things that could be. I, I love what Bethany said to us, plain as anything. I, I don't like um, craft dinner either, but now she's got me converted, um, at least if somebody else is gonna cook it for me. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High, it is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. Here's what I think could change our lives. If we would pay attention to the rhythm that the psalmist is giving us, that is a daily rhythm, and he says it in the context of giving us a Sabbath rhythm. So he's saying, first of all, you know, when you celebrate the Sabbath, here's a song that ought to be part of your Sabbath worship. There ought to be the pause in the week in which you stop and you give thanks to the Lord. But then as well as that, he goes down to the daily schedule, to the daily rhythm, and here I think is in, in the balance of the two is what would change our perspective, would change us into people whose glasses are half full. Uh, the psalmist says there are two things I wanna point out to you. He says, I want you to celebrate God's faithfulness in the morning or 
he, he talks about that word, and I've, I've suggested to you that there's probably only one or two or three words in Hebrew you should think about. One is shalom, that's a good one. But this is the word chesed. I like saying it because it clears my throat. So you might want to say it as well. You know how to get a going? So the, the word is chesed. Do you want to say it? Those of you who are here, say it slowly so you're not you know, sending anything out in the cloud. Chesed. So you, you, you kind of get that catch in your throat, which makes it an attractive word. And in the Old Testament, there is hardly a word that is more significant than the word chesed. The word chesed means a whole lot of things. It means love, it means mercy, it means loving kindness, it means faithfulness, it means kindness, it, it means all of those things kind of collected together into a bundle. And when the writers of the scriptures and when God gives revelation of himself, we are told explicitly that God is marked more than anything else. God is marked by chesed. It's his covenant loyalty. It's, it's the word, it is a covenant word. It's a, a word that belongs in the dictionary next to covenant. Covenant is the way in which God has connected himself with us, the way in which he has related to us. And God says, when I want to talk to you about the dynamics of our relationship, you will find that I talk to you with the hope that you will understand that I am a God who is full of chesed. I, I am full of, of, of this wonderful, wonderful demeanor that says this is the way I'm disposed towards you in relationship. So we ask ourselves questions about what people are like. So when we get to know somebody, what is a person like? What's she like? Boyfriends, girlfriends, new friends, neighbors, what is a person like? If we were to ask the question of all of those who tell us the story of salvation through the pages of scripture, what is God like? They might step back and say, hmm, what is God like? God is full of mercy, God is full of kindness, God is full of love, God is full of judgment, God is, God is righteous, God is full of holiness. But the one thing that I would say marks God, or that they would say to us marks God, is chesed, his covenant loyalty. And the psalmist says that when we come together in the Sabbath, and wherever it is that we mark our Sabbaths. And I encourage you to mark your Sabbath. Um, if you're watching us on, online or if you've come here today, uh, it, 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 it'll be very easy these days for us to let Sabbath kind of slip away. And we're, we're having to re-examine ourselves. What do, we, what do we do with our Sabbath, our Sunday, as we take it into our New Testament times? How, how precious is that Sabbath to us. I've often complained to you about how Sabbath was for me or how Sunday was for me, and it usually wasn't a day to enjoy. It should have been a day to enjoy, and part of it was, was my fault, part of it was my parents' fault, most of it was the church's fault for having boring, boring gatherings, right? But Sunday slipped away, and then Sunday became less for us. And Sunday became a shopping day, and Sunday became a work day, and Sunday has become a sports day. Um, somehow or other, 
we, we allow this notion of Sabbath to be elusive. The thing that God has given to us as a gift, we've turned it into a burden. We've turned it into a, an annoyance. We've turned it into an interruption. And rather than that, we ought to say, imagine this, that on the Sabbath, as the reformers said, every man is a king, every woman is a queen. Everything is brought to, to level ground, to even ground, uh, as we stop doing the things that we do with the rest of our lives and we gather together and we worship God. So as this pandemic carries on and as we come back to church and wonder if we can come back to church and wonder how many of us can come back to church and wonder what we have to do or what we're not allowed to do when we gather as friends, l let's be sure that we don't forget about the value of Sabbath. Let's be sure that we don't forget about this provision, this lovely gift that God has given us. And let's think of new ways that Sabbath is meaningful to us. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks. The whole notion of music and how singing is something that we took for granted and maybe we even complained about. We complained that we don't like those songs, we don't like that kind of music. Well, my goodness. Um, we, we, we've had something kind of slip away from us for a while. And so we ought to retrieve what we can and think of new ways and enter into new appreciations of worship and praise. But the psalmist says, when you avail yourself of the Sabbath, mark it by thanksgiving. And in fact, he would say to us, and, and not just the Sabbath, but in fact, every morning and every evening, he specifically talks about those two times in the day, the morning and the evening. And so I've said to you, this could literally change your life. I think it literally could. If literally, morning by morning, I had a discipline that said, I am going this morning to count on God's chesed. And maybe the word would get trapped in your mind. And then you're going to follow that up by saying, and every evening I'm going to follow it by thanksgiving and by celebration of God's faithfulness. So the two words are the word for the morning, which is the word chesed, and the word for the evening, which is the word faithfulness. How do, how do they match up? How do they behave as twins? Well, the psalmist says, as he proposes a rhythm for us, that morning by morning we should figure out that that day God is going to commit himself to chesed. God's demeanor for me every single day is chesed. He, he does never start a day with me with any ill intent or any harm planned for me. He, he intends every day for my life to be filled with his faithfulness for my life to be filled with his faithfulness come all those other ways that we would put the attributes around the word chesed. And if I begin every morning by saying, whatever happens today, I will count on the fact that God is a God of chesed faithfulness, a, a God who intends to have this way in relating to me. And then every evening, the psalmist says, I'm going to celebrate the fact that God is a God of faithfulness. So what's the difference between morning and evening? 
The term that the psalmist uses for the evening is a term that means more specifically faithfulness. So the first is a word that denotes demeanor, and the second is a word that denotes behavior. So we're going to um, put these, these brackets on our days. We're going to put these bookends on our days, and we're going to say, in the morning, I will think about the fact that God today intends to be faithful to me. At the end of the day, I'm going to say, today God has shown his faithfulness to me by. What is it that has happened? What is it that God has done? In what way has God's faithfulness been apparent to me today? And can I be thankful for that? Because that's, that's the tenor of the whole psalm, that uh, the psalmist says, on the Sabbath, morning and evening, let's give thanks to the Lord. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good because he's a God of chesed, faithfulness. He's a God of ready faithfulness and proven faithfulness as we wonder how it is that he has been there today. So if every evening I would close my day by thinking about what went on during the day, what was it that happened today that actually now that I think about it was a facet of God's faithfulness? Was it in in God's general faithfulness that I was able to breathe clean air, I was able to breathe lungs um, that work? Was it that uh, I was able to enjoy the fact that the daylight came after the darkness? In what ways did God generally prove himself faithful to me? And then in what way specifically did God prove himself faithful to me? We pray. And sometimes our prayers are just sort of shopping lists. But many times as we pray and we hear God answering our prayers, we notice God answering our prayers, we we forget to say thanks. Like last week, the 10 lepers, only one of them came back to say thank you. So evening by evening, can I reflect on the day and say, it's good to give thanks to the Lord for his covenant loyalty in the morning that has proven to be in my life and experience through the day that I can now celebrate in the evening. What would I say thanks for if I were to, to bracket my days that way? What, what would I put my head to rest on my pillow. Maybe I would sleep better if my mind was full of the good things that, it, that God had done. You know, many, many times we're quick to complain about what God doesn't do. We're, we're quick to blame God for things that have gone wrong. We can have our litany of issues with our world and with our lives and with our relationships and with our families and all of that. We can have our complaints about this pandemic. And indeed, there's little to be thankful for. There are some things to be thankful for, to be sure. But, but sometimes you have to wonder if, if God is, is saying, really, that, that's all you think about? It? All the things you want to complain to me about? You want to tell me that I've not provided enough? You want to tell me that I've not fixed enough? Um, if I were God, I'd be saying, hang on a sec. You broke it. Don't blame me for it. And, and everything in the context of our living in a broken world could come as something different than 
than our perception that God should be doing something he's not doing or that God is doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Because all the while God is saying, I, I created a good planet. I created a good home for you. I said, this is good, this is good, this is good. But then you broke it. And now you blame me for breaking it. Um, rather, if we were to say, well, in, instead of asking what God didn't do and in what way he proved his absence to me, why don't I realize that almost everything that has come that is ill has not come from God himself, has come from the spiritual world in which we live, has come from my own fallenness, has come from my own weakness. Those things that are my fault, they're, they're on my side of the ledger. And rather than that, what has God done anyway? Um, there's a, a whole movement um, that's, that's about preemptive love. It's a beautiful movement around the world that says, what if we, we, we loved anyway? What, what if we had that spin on everything that we do and all of the encounters that we have that we love anyway? So rather than blaming God, blaming others, we can let the fault lie where it belongs and say, you know what? The, the Bible is right when it tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And, and it ought to be my discipline um, to expect that in the morning and to celebrate that in the evening. And the whole tenor of my life should be, in the vernacular, it's a glass half full. In scripture, it's thankfulness for God's chesed love and his faithfulness to me. There's something I came across this week that is really delightful. It's a hymn that Isaac Watts wrote. He wrote it centuries ago, but he wrote it actually as a paraphrase of this psalm, of the 92nd Psalm. It's, it says this, I'm going to just read you the stanzas. I won't sing the hymn for you, although it's good if you want to go online and find this, the score for the music. It's very pretty, and there are lots of choral renditions of, it, renditions of it. Here's what it says. Sweet is the work, my God, my King, to praise thy name, give thanks, and sing, to show thy love by morning light and talk of all thy truth at night. Sweet is the day of sacred rest, no mortal's cares disturb my breast. Oh, may my heart in tune be found, like David's harp of solemn sound. My heart shall triumph in the Lord, and bless his works, and bless his word. Thy works of grace, how bright they shine, how deep thy counsels, how divine. And I shall share a glorious part when grace has well refined my heart. And fresh supplies of joy are shed, like holy oil to cheer my head. Then shall I see and hear and know all I desired or wished below. And every power finds sweet employ in that eternal world of joy. I said that this can literally change your life. I believe it can. It is good for you. It's good for me. Later in the psalm, the psalmist talks, he, he, he 
contrasts the foolish or the wicked person with the righteous person. And the righteous person who would live this kind of a revised attitude in his life or her life is described as being like a palm tree or the cedar of Lebanon. Beautiful images, and if you're following Susan's counsel, maybe sketching what you think that would look like and trying to imagine, well, what is the psalmist saying by those images that he's planting in our minds? Palm trees. Uh, Palm trees are gorgeous trees because usually they mean sunshine and warmth as well, right? they are often a certain kind of a palm that is tall and straight. Um, they sometimes have lovely bulbs out of which grows the trunk and, and then the lovely palm branches. The cedars of Lebanon I hadn't really never thought much about before. I, I, I think I knew what cedars were. Um, with Phil a few years ago, we had a, an opportunity to, to visit Lebanon to the city of Beirut, which shockingly is again in disarray because it was re-emerging in its Parisian beauty. They were rebuilding this gorgeous city of Beirut and now it's again um, falling prey to to natural or human disasters and uh, political intrigue and, and those sorts of things. We had an opportunity to to visit um, an orphanage up in the hills above Beirut. And to get there, we drove through a, a grove of Lebanon cedars. And they're remarkable. They are stately. They have that lovely cedar color and, and aroma. And the psalmist is saying, how can I describe what a person is like who who reinvents his life around the notion of thankfulness morning and evening? Well, think of the, the most beautiful palm that you've seen. Think of the way the palm wafts in the breeze. Think of the situation in which the palm is usually near water. So if there's an oasis, there will be a little grove of palms. Or if if you're in a a destination resort and there are palms all around the lovely golden or white psalm uh, sand and and you enjoy listening to the breeze in the palms, the the little cool breeze in the middle of the heat, uh, the oppressive heat. Think of the stately cedars of Lebanon, that, that the cedars of Lebanon um, were used for construction all over the ancient Near East because of, of their stability and, and their straightness and, and um, their beauty. And the psalmist says, that's what it's like. When you stop being a person who sees the downside first, when you stop being a person who blames God or charges God, and you become a person that first of all sees the beauty of the God who created all that there is and gives thanks to that God. To say thanks to God uh, is to honor him and it is to bless him. Why does God want our thanks? I don't know why he wants our thanks. But we're told that he inhabits the praises of his people and the praises 
in, in this vocabulary is, is connected to thankfulness. That God moves into the midst of thankful people. You know, it's, it's as though God says, I like hanging out with people that are thankful. Maybe he would say, I don't like hanging out with complainers all the time. I like hanging out. I inhabit the thankfulness of my people. I'm there in the middle of those people. That, that's why the apostles say, in everything, give thanks. Now, it's not for everything. That's nonsense. We don't thank God for tragedy. We don't thank him for pandemics. But in everything, we give thanks. And, and there's a wild difference where in the middle of everything we're able to say thanks anyway because you are still a God of covenant faithfulness and you are a God day by day who shows me examples of his faithfulness. I love the vocabulary of the psalm because there are several words in there uh, for music. Um, the psalmist says on the Sabbath day, sing this song. And, and then along with the verb sing, um, he uses a, a verb that, that, that basically says, ten this song. What does that mean? Ten strings were on the instrument um, that is described by that particular, by that particular term. The word twang is one of the things we're told to do. And after the word twang, another where it says that we are to, to give praise to the Lord is, is a verb that can be translated give a ringing cry or make a joyful noise. You know what all it does? It says one of the things about us in our humankind is music. And music for all of us is something that causes our spirit to, to ascend and to look for the meaning of that music, for the meaning of the order and so on. Some of us play 10 stringed instruments very well or some other kind of instrument. And as we go through Psalms, we, we find that the musical terminology usually relates to singing, to choirs and, and to instruments that are used like the lyre um, and the plucking of strings. Um, we also know from the Old Testament that there are other instrumentation vehicles that are in part of the, the, the celebration of Israel. Trumpets, Old and New Testament, and in, well into the future, play a large part. Wh what this psalmist does is say, look, with, with this inner you that is wanting to give thanks to its creator, because that's our longing. We long to be thankful people. I don't, I don't think anybody w would long to be a complainer, or would long to be a criticizer, or would long to always have you know, the worst view of a situation. We would all aspire to be thankful people, to be praiseful people. And, and as the psalmist says, yeah, yeah, that's how you should be. He says, with the music that is in you, go ahead and, and sort of sound forth 
the beauty of God. So in, in the psalm, he, he, he tells two ways. He, he talks about God's ways and God's works, which kind of go with the morning and evening. God's way is that he is always disposed to us with chesed. His works are those things that he does that prove his faithfulness. And we notice both of those. So the psalmist says, you who are like the the lovely palms, like the cedars of Lebanon, you need to do whatever it is that you do that expresses your thanks. So maybe you play an instrument. Maybe you blow an instrument. Maybe um, you do whatever with an instrument. But if, if that's not what you do, maybe you sing. Or maybe you twang. I don't know exactly what that would have looked like or sounded like, but that is really comforting to people that are kind of, you know, just amateurs. You, you like to just make some kind of a sound. Um, my, my one grandson is learning to play the guitar, and I think twanging is probably the, the way to describe what's going on with the guitar. A twang. And if you can't even twang, make a loud noise. Make a ringing sound about God's greatness, about God's faithfulness, about the ways in which God is blessing and has blessed you. Can your dog swim? If you might say, I don't think you understand that guy. He's probably a realist. No, 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 no. It's also being a realist to acknowledge that the glass is half empty. But it's not the end of the story. A half-empty glass can be changed into a half-full glass. It can still be the same glass with the same amount of water or liquid. But it's a different perspective. It's a different outcome that will change what that is to you, what that is to me. So we give thanks. We give thanks because it's good for us. Whatever else is good for us, it is good to give thanks. It's just good to give thanks. I don't don't need to convince you about that. I don't need to cajole you about that. I just need to suggest to you that there is something that is told to us in Scripture that's good for us. It's good for your health. So I was reading um, uh, an article in in Psychology Today um, just talking about the benefits of being thankful, that psychologically it is beneficial to be thankful. I'm thankful because it was one of a little group of people that is is working with us week by week. Um, Kevin, who produced that for me, and and I'm thankful that he passed that along. I'm thankful that he's part of a group of people that week by week are doing things to help us to praise and to worship Susan and Bethany and Dean and Mary and Sylvie. Have I missed anybody? Week by week who is doing some to help, and Kevin too, so he said, here's this article, and the article said, it is very good for people to be thankful. It is more healthy to be thankful than not. So if for any other reason, um, it, it's, it's good to just be a person who learns that his or her glass is half full, and in fact to know the theological grounding for that. It's not just a perspective. It's not just a a notion, a better way of looking at things. It's actually true 
that what God intends for your life and for mine and for us is covenant loyalty. He intends us to experience his love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. He intends for that to be our experience. And then as we, as we grab onto that and we say, okay, all day long today, let me not forget that. Let me put it on my desktop or my screen or wall or something. Because by the end of the day, I want to look back and say, it, it was true. It was true. And then whatever it is that God gives you as your expression of that, use that to worship him. So what is it? It, it may be your work, finishing a lovely piece of work and saying, I, I, I give that to God as my, my worship to him, my praise to him. It may be some piece of art. It may be what you draw. It may be what you write. It may be what you sing. It may be simply your twanging or your noise-making that comes from a heart that says, I am so full of thanks to God that I have to somehow or other exclaim that. Maybe, Wayne, it means you put a gun on your shoulder and you go out into the middle of the woods and you shoot a, a, an elk. You shoot it and shout, thank you, Lord, and thank you, elk, for serving me and mankind. Right? I don't know what it is. But do whatever it is and fill our window with thanks. When people walk past here, I want them to see words that make them think, wow, yeah, I should be thankful for that as well. Is it mom, dad? Is it music? Is it school? Is it work? What are you thankful for? Uh, whatever it is, make sure that you express it, and it can literally change your life. Literally. Not just figuratively, symbolically, spiritually. Anyway, it literally, it, that's a true use in context of that word. Literally, it can change your life, can change my life. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Right? An amen? A muffled amen? Indeed. <laughs>